0: not what we think we are we are what the word declares we are which is unrighteous but Holy redeemed fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not hard. thanks for joining us at hope of our calling Let's get started in our study of 1 Peter. Good morning, everyone. This is Kendra with Hope of Our Calling. Let's just dive into this week's study. We're in 1 Peter, chapter 2. We've been talking about being a royal priesthood in a holy nation. Today, we're going to receive some exhortations from Peter through verses 11 and 12. So, just quick review. Last week we spoke about being chosen. We spoke about being chosen as God's people that we we have obtained mercy and we are chosen to reveal God's grace we have the gospel of grace the good news of grace and that's that is our ministry according to the 20th chapter of acts verse 24 it says but none of these things move me neither count i my life dear unto myself so that i might finish my course with joy and the ministry which i have received of the lord jesus to testify The gospel of the grace of God. That's our job in all of our deeds, in all of our relationships, in all of our communication. May we keep that at the forefront of our mind. Our job is to testify to the grace of God through Jesus Christ, the grace of God through our lives. All right, so let's get started. One of the things that we touched upon last week was that though we're chosen, we're also responsible, and that comes in testifying. We have a responsibility, and with responsibility needs to come commitment and discipline, and Peter has already expressed to us through the first chapter, verses 13 and 16, some of the ways we need to Take on that responsibility. It says that we're to gird up the loins of our mind. We're to be sober. And we're to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in our ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it's written, Be holy, for I am holy. So the question that I have for you is, what is it that propels you, that compels you, to take on this responsibility? What's that driving factor or that compass that inspires you? that guides you and even that guards you, even if it has to be from yourself? What is it that empowers you to do that? Now, for those of us who are students of God's word, I think we would all confirm it's the word of God. If that's not your first instinct of what compels you, then I would ask you to search your heart. Because if we are in agreement with the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God, then we have to come to a point in life where we let him be God. And to do that, we must know him. And to know him, we know him through his word. Right? All right, so back to responsibility and what inspires us. What inspires us to pick up this responsibility and make this commitment? As we've said, it's in the Word of God. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It is through the word of God that we come to know God. It is also through the word of God that we receive our guidance. The first verse of chapter 2 says, Laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking. Our verse today talks about abstaining from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We'll talk about that in just a second. The word of God also guards us, builds us up to make us strong. In verse 5 of chapter 2, it says, You also, as living stones, are being built up. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we mentioned, God has chosen us through his word, we learn about him. We learn of his ways, and we receive the power in order to walk in his ways. So let's get started on our scriptures for today. Verse 11 of chapter 2, 1 Peter, says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. We have an enemy who seeks to rob, steal, and destroy the work of God in our lives. In order for us to overcome, the first thing we need to recognize, and Peter is reminding us, is that we are foreigners. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We have been reborn in the spirit and delivered into the kingdom of God, that righteous kingdom of God. Therefore, we need to abstain from the temptations the enemy uses of our fleshly lusts because they are warring against the soul. That's the opening they have access to. Because the soul means the seat of the senses. It's where our affections lie, our emotions lie, where we start Empowering our desires for love and joy. It's where we start desiring appetites, whether they be just to fill our stomach or to fill that lust. Isaiah 29, verse 8 says, It will be like a hungry man dreaming he's eating, but when he wakes up, his stomach is empty. Or like a thirsty man dreaming, he's drinking. But when he wakes up, he is dry and exhausted. We have to remember the enemy knows all too well where our weaknesses lie. The word of God declares where our strength lies. I loved hearing one of my pastors always encourage me by saying, Man's way or God's way? God's way is perfect, and man's way, well, we all know the emptiness and futility of man's way. Why not turn to the one who is righteous and holy, has all wisdom, and created this entire life event we're going through? We do have an adversary. But we need to remember that our weapons are, of warfare against this adversary, who is set against us, are not carnal but mighty through God, second Corinthians chapter ten, verse four we have to equally realize that, as romans three ten says, there is none righteous, no not one, speaking of fleshly man and isaiah sixty four six declares We're all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Once we accept we're not all that and a bag of chips, as they say, we're not what we think we are. We are what the word declares we are, which is unrighteous but redeemed. Sinful, but forgiven. But in order to walk in righteousness and redemption, we have to have a relationship with the only power that can make us that. Ephesians 3.16 declares that he, speaking of the Lord, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man it is not by might it is not by power it is by god's spirit who is sent to guide us into all truth how do you think daniel survived the lion's den how do you think shadrach meshach abendigo survived the fiery furnace The king looked into the furnace and declared that there was a fourth man in there as if the Son of God, the pre-incarnate Christ, was in that fiery furnace with them. Are you going through a fiery furnace right now? We must realize that he is with us. We are his masterpiece He is faithful to complete what He's begun in us. We must submit to Him. Speaking of submitting to Him, in verse 12, He calls us to submission to Him that others might see His gospel of grace. Verse 12, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles... That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. As God's royal priesthood and holy nation, we must testify of his gospel of grace by being responsible to the things he calls us to, which is to be holy as he is holy. When we seek to reveal the truth of who he is in a world that is living in darkness to his light that others may see and come out of the darkness. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it declares, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. By his own glory and excellence, the only way that we can exhibit His holiness is by believing his precious promises to us, as second Peter one four declares. We're meant to be partakers of his divine nature by believing the precious promises and thus escaping the lusts of our flesh and not reacting in the flesh, not operating in the flesh, but exhibiting his power, exhibiting his righteousness, exhibiting his glory. That said, I do acknowledge how difficult that is. Because our flesh is reactionary. But saints, each tribulation and trial in our life is to build us up in patience. To build us up in virtue by the knowledge of Him. To build us up in loving kindnesses and tender mercies and yes, long-suffering. Because that's what the world needs to see. In John chapter three twenty one, it says, He that does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they were wrought in God. In other words, we have been empowered by God. We have made a commitment to follow hard after God. It is he, his word, that inspires us to do what is right and guides us to do what is right and thus guards us against what is wrong. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, We have this treasure, this blessed acknowledgement and knowledge and power of God We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Our ability to accomplish anything righteous in a world of unrighteousness doesn't come from us. It comes by God's Spirit given to us by the grace of God. We must testify to God's grace. We do that by walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of our flesh, Galatians 5.16 says. The Life Application Study Bible says, The power we receive in union with Christ is sufficient to do His will and to face the challenges that arise from our commitment to doing it. He does not grant us superhuman ability to accomplish anything we can imagine without regard to His interests. As we contend for the faith, we will face troubles, pressures, and trials as they come. But as Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, therefore we must ask God christ to strengthen us in trials if we stand in his holiness then he is there if we seek to do it in our way remembering that there is none righteous no not one that our most righteous act is like filthy rags then we don't want to operate in that lust That pride of life, that lust of the flesh. We don't want to operate in that. We want to trust his will and pray to allow his way to move through us. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved and one of my favorites, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I reckon that all the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We must remember these words, because when we go before Gentiles who seek to cause us harm, To seek to disquiet us. Or even in their ignorance of their actions. Cause us to be disquieted. We are still called to good works. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God because of Daniel the prophet's works, his good works. When we read through scripture, we can see testimonies where unbelievers actually had to acknowledge the God of those they sought to harm. Rahab declared to the spies that came over, that Joshua sent over, that we've heard about you, we've heard about what your God does. Is that what people are saying in our lives? Or are we so much like the world, it's hard for them to differentiate between the God we serve and the God they serve. In all your ways, acknowledge him, both in seeking his counsel, but also in the actions that follow through obedience. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. And it will always be to his holiness and righteousness. When Pastor Chuck Smith was with us, he taught us to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and to put Jesus' name in where it says love is. So it would read like this Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. He does not envy, He does not boast, He's not proud, He's not rude, He's not self seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no account of wrongs. He takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. He bears all things. We could correct that by saying he bore all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endured all things. He never fails. And the perfect example of that was the cross at Calvary when he had been betrayed and ridiculed and mocked and savagely beaten, pronounced guilty and sentenced to death for no earthly offense, nailed to a cross, the very first utterance from his mouth on that cross was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He is patient and he is kind. And he fulfilled all of First Corinthians 13. If we were to paste this on a wall, seeking to allow it to guide us in our days, seeking that we might be able, at some point in time, to put our name in and say, Kendra is patient. Kendra is kind. You are patient. You are kind. You don't envy. You don't boast. You're not proud. You're not rude. You're not self-seeking. We're not easily angered. We hold no account of wrong. We take no pleasure in evil and we rejoice in the truth. We bear all things. We believe all things. We hope all things. We endure all things. We never fail in his spirit. That's what the Church of Christ is supposed to look like, folks. Thank God for 1 John 1.9. Because when we fail, as they say, yes, we're Christians, it doesn't make us perfect, it makes us forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that power of cleansing through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's God crying out. God the Son crying out to God the Father on our behalf. And he continues to make intercession for us. Our ability to reveal God to this world is found in our submission to him. To his will. To his way. Just as our Savior did on Calvary. Regarding the day of visitation that our verse speaks of, the Bible portrays the human race as responding to the coming of Christ in two ways. There will be an imminent final judgment, and there will also be a day, a day that we greatly anticipate, and we attempt to quicken through prayer, when we will see our Savior face to face. Are you eagerly awaiting His coming? And are you fervent in prayer for the unrepentant? Believe His word. Believe Him. Be obedient to His word that His spirit might move through you. And pray without ceasing for effectual fervent prayer avails much till next week may the Lord richly bless you for more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org